There hasn't been one Republican yet who's tried to defend the president on the substance. What is there to defend at this point? Chris Christie. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Good luck with that. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people powered radio in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountain on KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Eugene on KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's uh, WPRR in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we've got a lot to get to for change today. <laughs> uh, some, Including some breaking news from yesterday on a couple of stories that we have been covering for some time here, but which occurred, the breaking news did, right during the bombshell testimony of Michael Cohen in the U.S. House Oversight Committee on Wednesday. And because of our special coverage of that, we could not get to these new updates, mostly positive ones, mostly positive, by the way, uh, out of North Carolina and Texas regarding elections and election integrity and fraud. So we'll try to get caught back up on that today uh, shortly. As I say, mostly good news in both cases. And Desi Doyen, that... uh, chuckle you heard was her <laughs> yes and we have some news coming up too we in the do, green news report yes you do and uh some of that news regards republicans sort of coming to the end of the road on their uh current very long wave of climate denial to some extent as they begin to realize that their strategy of ignoring and denying is no longer cutting it with the american people uh but they don't seem to uh, have any real idea how to move forward at this point. Uh, they've been ignoring and denying for so long. So uh, that and much more in, in today's uh, GNR in a little bit. But it, it's kind of like the Republican strategy right now, it seems to me, Des, on dealing with Donald Trump and now with Michael Cohen and these allegations. Uh, at some point, you know, ignoring and or denying is is not going to work forever. And yet 
that seems to be the Republican strategy right now. Just well, ignore yeah, and deny and hope it goes away. Yeah, they just keep pushing the same nonsense over and over and over again. The media gives it coverage as if it's a valid position to have. And they, oh, both sides do it. And then it doesn't uh, come around until the American public forces them to. And then suddenly they so-called well, evolve. Until the American people or until, uh, you know, law enforcement at this point might force them to. Uh, and yeah, that. In, in fact, <laughs> Uh, Democrats in Congress forcing them to. So that uh, failed strategy of ignoring and denying and hoping it all goes away, uh, you know, as the old Watergate era phrase, uh, that dog don't hunt anymore. Uh, I think that comes to mind today after watching the Republican response or really lack thereof to the bombshell criminalities Revealed by Michael Cohn's sworn testimony on Wednesday. Let's start there. Michael Cohn's scathing congressional testimony, as NBC describes it, amounted to a, quote, fake hearing, says President Donald Trump at a press conference following his uh, apparently failed nuclear summit. We'll get to that in a second uh, in Uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. Trump said he watched as much as he could of the explosive House oversight hearing in which Cohen, uh, his former fixer and personal lawyer, accused him of being, quote, a con man, a cheat and a racist. Of course, none of those were the uh, most disturbing allegations from Cohen. He also told lawmakers that Trump secretly pushed to build a tower in Russia during the 2016 election and knew in advance that WikiLeaks was going to release emails that were stolen from the Democratic National Committee back in 2016. Trump told reporters uh, in Hanoi, quote, having a fake hearing like that and having it in the middle of this important summit is really a terrible thing. So it's not just fake news anymore, Uh, you know, whenever it's something that reflects poorly on this president. Now, even hearings held under oath in (laughs) Congress, in public, on television, those are actually fake hearings. They never happened. The words just don't have meaning anymore. I cannot wait for the fake impeachment, the fake indictments, the uh, fake prison sentence. But, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, I guess. How about his fake presidency then? There you go. That's closer to the truth, uh, or at least I wish it was. Uh, Anyway, before his live comments, Trump had had uh, tweeted that Cohn was, quote, lying in order to reduce his prison time. During his uh, his testimony on Wednesday. But of course, Cohen is going to prison because, among other things, he admitted to lying to Congress on behalf of Donald Trump and uh, and his claim that he had no dealings with Russia on the Moscow Trump Tower deal during the election, which it turns out he did. Michael Cohen, uh, yes, uh, was a liar, but the lies that he were he was telling and that he's now uh, pled guilty to telling uh, to Congress. Initially, these were lies that Donald Trump wanted him to tell. So now when these Republicans and, and Donald Trump go out and say, well, Michael Cohen is a liar. Yes, he's a liar. He was lying for you. So, you know, in any event, telling more lies right now before Congress for Michael Cohen would not reduce his prison sentence at all. It will get him more prison time. So uh, he's got no incentive here to lie, as uh, Trump is claiming. 
well, or but, but, lying. Yeah, but Trump is assuming that all of his right wing base will not hear that of fact course. and of they'll carry on. In the uh, in those first live comments on Cohn's testimony, Trump uh, portrayed his longtime friend and personal attorney and fixer and decade long Trump organization ec- executive uh, as a liar. Of course, uh, he was a liar, as he admitted. And, you know, of course, that's why he was hired and kept his job for so long in the first place working for Donald Trump. He was a pretty good liar. Anyway, Trump said he was a liar, except for in one instance, he said uh, Cohen was right when he testified that he had no direct evidence (laughs) that Trump conspired with Russia to win the 2016 election. So he's sort of cherry picking there what which uh, what Cohn is lying and not lying about, though Cohn did explain that he was suspicious about whether or not uh, Trump worked with Russia to win that 2016 election. Trump didn't mention that part. And by the way, Cohn also defended Trump on rumors that there was a videotape showing Trump striking uh, Melania in an elevator, but Cohen went out of his way to say, no, he didn't believe that Trump, who he did describe as a con man, a thief, a liar, a racist, a cheat and everything else. He didn't believe that he would ever be violent with his wife. So so there's that. I don't know why Trump didn't mention that part of it. Uh, but with Trump and Republicans out there doing their best to discredit the seven hours of testimony by uh, by Cohen, which included documentation to support the most serious charges so that no one actually has to simply believe him on the most important things. They can look at the documentations Uh, with that. And with all the noise over the past 24 hours, I think it's worth quickly just sort of resummarizing the most serious allegations, since I suspect more is to come on each of these matters as we move ahead. And to do that, let me go to the conservative. Yes, Actually, conservative Washington Post columnist Max Boot. So you don't accuse me of citing some lefty tree hugging Trump hating snowflake here or, uh, you know, worse of giving you fake news about a fake hearing. So let's go to this conservative Max Boot for that summary. He summarized at The Washington Post on Wednesday night. Uh, He said, here are five felonies Trump committed if Cohen is telling the truth. Number one, conspiracy to defraud the United States. Cohen testified that he was present in July of 2016 when Trump took a call on the speakerphone from Roger Stone, uh, who said that he had just gotten off the phone with Julian Assange and that Mr. Assange told Stone within a couple of days that there would be a massive dump of emails that would damage Hillary Clinton's campaign. According to Cohen, Trump replied, quote, wouldn't that be great? Now, Stone, who is currently under federal indictment for lying to prosecutors in uh, special counsel Robert Mueller's office, has denied that account. And he has done so, by the way, in possible violation of a ga- of a judge's gag order. He's not supposed to speak about his case at all. But he did. It's also possible he could have been lying at the time when he called into uh, Donald Trump to say he just got off the phone with Assange. And I suppose it's possible that Cohn could be lying that he heard that conversation. But that seems unlikely at this point. Number two from Max Boot, lying to the FBI and the Justice Department. These are all felonies that Trump committed if Michael Cohen is telling the truth. 
lying to the FBI and the Justice Department. According to CNN, Trump, in his uh, written testimony to Robert Mueller, has claimed that Roger Stone did not tell him about WikiLeaks, nor was he told about the 2016 Trump Tower meeting between his son, campaign officials, and a Russian lawyer promising dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now, if, in fact, Trump made those assertions that he knew nothing about either of those things in his written testimony to Mueller, well, Cohn contradicted those assertions in his sworn testimony on Wednesday. Number three, suborning perjury. Cohn testified that Trump encouraged him to lie to Congress about his attempts in 2016 to build a Trump Tower in Moscow and that his personal lawyers, Trump's personal lawyers, reviewed the mendacious testimony, as Boot describes it, the false testimony. And Trump's lawyers looked at it and said, yep, that looks good to us. This is the the, uh, testimony that Cohn gave Congress originally, which he has now admitted was false and a lie, but one that a lie that Trump wished for him to tell and that uh, Trump's own attorneys signed off on uh, before he he told it to Congress, which he has since pled guilty to doing and is going to jail for. Michael Cohen, not Trump, nor his attorneys. Number four, violating campaign finance laws. Uh, the issue that I personally find as the most damning here and uh, easy to understand and frankly undeniable, particularly with the signed checks that Cohen presented as evidence from both Donald Trump after he was sworn in as president and from Donald Trump's son. Cohn testified that Trump told him to pay off a porn star just before the 2016 election in order to keep her quiet about an affair that they had so it would not hurt his chances in the election. And when Trump then reimbursed Cohn for doing so, well, uh, the conspiracy and cover-up of that conspiracy was continuing. Cohen even produced a check that Trump signed while he was president for to cover up this campaign finance felony conspiracy. Uh, and he also produced another one that was signed by Donald Trump Jr. Uh, as part of this payoff, uh, implicating the president's son, in this conspiracy as well. Now, remember, Cohen also pleaded guilty to having done this as part of a conspiracy that was directed, he says, by Donald Trump. So if Cohen is going to jail for the conspiracy, why aren't his fellow conspirators like Don Jr.? And, uh, of course, the man who directed the conspiracy himself, Donald J. Trump. I have seen no legitimate explanation Uh, or response to that damning issue and the evidence the Cohn presented in the in the past 24 hours since he presented it. Uh, Number five from Max Boot, uh, as far as the list of felonies that Trump committed here, if Cohen is telling the truth, bank, wire and tax fraud. Cohn testified that Trump inflated his assets in order to get bank loans and deflated them in order to reduce his taxes. This is, Boot notes, the same kind of scheme for which Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, is now himself facing lengthy prison time. So all of these things that uh, Trump's people are going to prison for are things 
that allegedly Trump has done himself. But so far, he's facing no time. He's facing not even yet any indictments. Uh, Cohen, who uh, presented several years worth of financial disclosure forms uh, that Trump is said to have given to Deutsche Bank as part of uh, uh, Cohen's testimony, he uh, Cohen added that he knew of other offenses that federal prosecutors are still investigating in the Southern District of New York. Uh, not not Mueller. So this would be separate from the special counsel, but in the Southern District of New York, SDNY, as they call it. Uh, and he says he was asked by prosecutors at SDNY not to speak about some of those issues since the investigations are ongoing. This uh, this came up with uh, Oversight uh, Committee Democrat Raja Krishnamurthy. Uh, he had pressed Cohn on w- what was said during his final conversations with Donald Trump. Uh, And he says that the last time they spoke, uh, that was about two months after the FBI raided Cohen's home and office last April, uh, but said that he could not disclose what was said uh, because, quote, it is something it, it is actually something that is being investigated right now by the Southern District of New York. And I've been asked by them not to discuss and not to talk about these issues. One of the things that I do want to point out when it comes to Cohen talking about those checks and releasing those checks that he says Donald Trump signed and appear that Donald Trump actually signed, showing that he did actually pay off Stormy Daniels. The Republicans have been claiming that, oh, this was just a retainer agreement. But I just want to highlight that Cohen repeatedly said there is no formal retainer agreement. And apparently, as far as I can tell, the Trump organization has not released any documentation or any signed contract to that effect. To show that, yes, this was a retainer. An official retainer. There's uh, nothing there. Which would be a fine defense. Um, if it existed. But so far, it doesn't exist. Now, I suppose you can also have a retainer uh, agreement without an official contract to that end, but they have uh, produced no actual evidence of that either. They're just they're just claiming it. The response from uh, Trumplandia Max Boot, conservative Max Boot notes, was predictable. Um, Rudy Giuliani denied any wrongdoing uh, by uh, Trump and once again called Cohn a liar. Uh, which Boot says is pretty rich, coming from the representative of a president who has told more than 8,700 lies since taking office. 8,700 lies. And he links to the Washington Post's database on those lies uh, and goes on to say that uh, this is already the biggest scandal in American history. And uh, he suggests there's only two ways out of this mess, resignation or impeachment. Otherwise, he notes the U.S. will suffer through nearly two more years of this car wreck of a presidency. Even corrupt wingnut Chris Christie wasn't buying what Republicans were attempting to sell in response to Michael Cohn's testimony yesterday. Uh, Speaking on ABC during a break in the hearing, Chris Christie had this to say. The interesting thing is that there hasn't been one Republican yet who's tried to defend the president on the substance. And I think that's something that should be concerning to the White House. Why are no Republicans standing up and defending the president on the substance? And and that's either a failure of those Republicans on the on the Hill or a failure of the White House to have a unified strategy with them. They knew what was coming with Michael Cohen. He's not a credible witness, but he does have corroboration on certain things. Where's the defense of the president? 
well, where is the defense? There isn't one, right? Because there is no substance. Because to there defend isn't on. one, yeah, right? I mean, uh, all they got. If at you this got point, substance to defend him on, by all means, cough it up. Otherwise, it's all you know. Michael Cohen is a liar. So I don't think that is going to work as all of this moves forward, as they try to keep denying after two years of trying to simply ignore these issues, back when, which might have worked back when they controlled both houses of Congress. But this was the, uh, you know, the first big hearing on this matter by the uh, U.S. by the U.S. House in the Oversight Committee. And, and they and, and others are just getting started at this point in in the House. The uh, Trump Organization uh, chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, who apparently signed these checks as well. So he, too, is implicated in that campaign finance conspiracy. The House Intelligence Committee, headed up by Congressman Adam Schiff, my congressman from California here, uh, has called uh, Weisselberg now to testify there as well. So. Rest up, Desi Doyen. Uh, and and if Trump was was hoping in the meantime that uh, striking a big new deal in his North Korea summit was going to be a useful distraction from that failure in the House. Well, his failure at that summit ain't helping him today, it seems to me. Uh, late in the U.S. on Wednesday night which would be early Thursday after what many had thought had been an encouraging start to the two-day summit in Hanoi with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, the media noticed signs that things appeared to be falling apart in that summit. This was just after midnight on Wednesday night and uh, midday, I guess, Thursday in Hanoi. The Hill's Rebecca Keel first reported that the schedule for President Trump and Kim Jong-un's second day of meeting in Hanoi was abruptly changed. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders told reporters in Vietnam that talks would wrap up earlier than expected, with Trump returning to his hotel in the next 30 to 45 minutes. Trump and Kim had been originally uh, scheduled to hold a working lunch, and then they were also scheduled to participate in a ceremony to sign a joint agreement. But there were potential hints uh, earlier that day that something might be up in a press avail with Kim and uh, with Kim and Trump. Trump said, uh, quote, the relationship with Kim is just very strong over a period of time. I know we're going to have a fantastic success. He said North Korea is going to be an economic powerhouse and it's something I look forward to helping with. That would be the Trump Tower Pyongyang, I guess. Hmm. Trump added, um, I'm in no rush to denuclearize North Korea. All of a sudden, he was in no rush. He says, we've developed something very special. I have great respect for Chairman Kim and his country, and I believe that if a deal is reached, North Korea will be something economically that it will be almost hard to compete with. Now, pool reporters at that point, had been waiting in the dining room at the uh, hotel where the summit was ongoing. Uh, they were originally told that lunch had been delayed for 30 minutes. The table in the dining room was all set with menus and name cards on the chairs and everything else. And then at about 12.35 local time, reporters were told by a White House spokesperson that, quote, there had been a program change. 
In fact, the summit had been abruptly ended before lunch and without the agreement and the signing ceremony to go with it as everything fell apart. So what happened? Well, that is still being sorted out today. And frankly, given the fact uh, the, the two leaders that we're talking about here, who knows which one is telling the truth about what actually happened there. But uh, Trump was uh, said to have been on his way back uh, to Washington on Thursday. Uh, but before leaving Hanoi, uh, when, uh, the, uh, the, when the talks broke down, he said it was because North Korea's leader insisted that all of the sanctions that the U.S. has imposed on Pyongyang had to be lifted before the North would commit to eliminating its nuclear arsenal. Now, North Korea is disputing Trump's account of why the summit between Trump and Kim actually collapsed. They're insisting that the North had demanded only partial sanctions relief in exchange for shutting down its main nuclear complex. Trump had told reporters that the North had demanded a full removal of sanctions in exchange for shutting the Yongbyong nuclear facility. So who do you believe on this? Who's telling the truth here? I hate to say it, but I kind of believe North Korea because that sounds like a more plausible kind of negotiation where you do pieces instead of, oh, it's all the way or nothing. And I walk out. That just doesn't sound plausible. The the, United States. The uh, you know, it might sound plausible were it not Donald Trump, the right. one who was making the claim. North Korean Foreign Minister uh, Ri Young-ho, during an abruptly scheduled middle-of-the-night news conference in response to Trump's claims, said that the North was ready to offer, in writing, a permanent halt of the country's nuclear and intercontinental ballistic missile tests and that Washington wasted an opportunity that, quote, may not come again. He said that the uh, North Korea's position would not change even if the United States offers to resume another round of dialogue. And that's, once again, the art of the no deal for you, the courtesy of Donald Trump. This great deal maker, has he made any actual deal on anything with anybody in the more than two years now that he has been in office, I mean, it is almost as if that whole great deal maker thing was some sort of a con as well. Who knew? Trump said in Hanoi that there had been a proposed agreement ready to be signed, he said. However, he said the summit was cut short uh, because, quote, sometimes you have to walk. Asked about the North Korean claims that they only demanded partial sanctions in exchange for shutting down their main nuclear facility, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders had no response. She said, I'll refer you back to the president and Secretary Pompeo's remarks. Passing the buck. At the uh, at the press conference in Hanoi. In other words, yes, yeah, she had nothing. She hadn't even prepared her lies, and she's always got them good to go. I don't know what the holdup was uh, with that. Uh, just hours after both nations were it's appeared hopeful of a deal, the uh, two leaders' motorcades roared away from the downtown Hanoi summit site within minutes of each other. The lunch was canceled. The signing ceremony was scuttled. And the president's closing news conference was moved up by two hours along with his departure for Washington. The uh, Washington Post notes that North Korea's vice foreign minister, Cho Son-hui, suggested that Kim had, uh, quote, 
lost the will to engage in deal-making. As the talks unraveled, the U.S., she said, was missing a, quote, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and said no future meetings between the two sides were planned. So uh, the uh, Post notes for Trump, this is a uh, significant diplomatic setback. The president had flown 20 hours to Vietnam with hopes of producing demonstrable progress towards North Korea denuclearization, uh, building on the, uh, the summit with Kim last year in Singapore, after which North Korea continued to build nuclear weapons and missiles, despite Trump declaring that the North was uh, no longer posed a nuclear threat. So uh, this, uh, let's see, uh, Cho, the North Korea's vice foreign minister, was not optimistic. She said, the impression I got observing this summit from the side was that our chairman seems to have difficulty understanding the U.S. way of reckoning. Uh, She said, I felt that our chairman has lost the will to engage in deal making with the U.S., saying that even a partial lifting of sanctions for the civilian economy is very, very hard. AP observes, and this is uh, what troubles me the most here, because as I've said, I'm fine. As long as Donald Trump thinks that Kim is his pal, I'm cool with that, because that means he's not threatening uh, war and fire and fury like the world has never seen, etc. But one of the most troubling parts here is uh, Kim uh, Trump continued to talk about, you know, how warm, how much of a friend Kim is, what a great man he is. AP observes that if the first Trump-Kim summit in Singapore last year gave the reclusive nation's leader uh, entree onto the international stage, the second appeared to grant him the legitimacy his family has long desired. Kim, for the first time, affably parried with the international press without having to account for his government's long history of oppression. He secured Trump's support for the opening of a liaison office in Pyongyang, he, without offering any concessions of his own. And yet, apparently, he got that much of an agreement from Trump. Experts worry that the darker side of Kim's leadership was being brushed aside in the rush to address the North's nuclear weapons program, the charges of mass human rights abuses, the prison camps filled with dissidents in North Korea, a near-complete absence of media, religious, and speech freedoms. The famine in the 1990s that killed hundreds of thousands in North Korea. The executions of a slew of government and military officials, including Kim's own uncle and the alleged assassination order of his half-brother in a Malaysian airport. Trump said nothing about any of that. He did not publicly address Kim's record of brutality and human rights atrocities at all during the Vietnam trip. Asked by a reporter whether he had discussed with Kim the case of Otto Warmbier, the uh, University of Virginia student who was detained in North uh, Korea for 17 months for allegedly stealing a propaganda poster. Trump said, oh, yeah, I talked to him about it. Now, Warmbier was in a coma throughout most of his imprisonment, and then he ended up dying at the age of 22 shortly after he was sent home to Cincinnati. But Kim, Trump said that Kim denied to him any knowledge of or role in the treatment of this man. Oh, well, then that solves it. And Trump said, actually said that he tells me that he didn't know about it and I will take him at his word. Sound familiar? 
He said, uh, Trump said, those prisons are rough. They're rough places and bad things happen. But I don't believe he knew about it. Also, Vladimir Putin told him there was no interference in the 2016 U.S. election. And Trump believed him, despite his own intelligence community telling him otherwise. But he believed it because Putin told him so. And Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman said after Virginia resident and Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi was brutally murdered and dismembered by Saudi officials in a Saudi consulate, uh, the Crown Prince told Trump that, oh, he knew nothing about that murder plot, despite the U.S. intelligence concluding otherwise. Trump ended up siding anyway with bin Salman. He sure does take the word of a lot of brutal autocrats, doesn't he? As long as you tell him, I didn't do it, I take you at your word. But as I said before the summit, I'd rather that Trump believes that Kim is a fantastic guy, is his friend, if it keeps Trump away from his previous uh, threats of wiping North Korea off the map. All right, one more. I know we got to get, I'm running late, but uh, let me hit this real quickly um, in other world News dealing with corrupt Donald Trump-like liars and criminals today. Israel's attorney general has now recommended criminal charges against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in a series of corruption cases, shaking up uh, what's already a tumultuous election campaign in Israel and threatening to end the hard-right Israeli leader's decades-long career. The potential charges stretch across an array of embarrassing scandals that have painted Netanyahu. Let me know if this sounds familiar as a hedonistic and sometimes petty uh, leader with a taste for expensive gifts and an obsession over his public image. The charges include allegations he accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of champagne and cigars from billionaire friends and allegedly used his influence to help a wealthy telecom magnate with regulatory changes that were worth hundreds of millions of dollars in exchange for favorable coverage on a popular news site. Any of this ringing a bell? Hmm, sounds kind of familiar. Uh, in case it doesn't ring a bell, uh, Netanyahu, uh, who quickly faced calls to immediately step aside while he deals with uh, trying to clear his name, uh, he appeared on national TV late Thursday and he dismissed the allegations as an unprecedented... Witch hunt. <laughs> Gosh, that also sounds familiar. He <laughs> accused prosecutors of caving in to pressure from the left. Uh, he said, don't let this witch hunt affect you, voters. Uh, the AG announced the recommendations after a more than two-year investigation uh, and deliberations by police and legal experts and financial regulators. Now, Netanyahu was not formally charged because under Israeli law, he can defend himself at a hearing before the charges are officially filed. But that process will now take uh, several months and won't happen until after the upcoming elections. The um, recommendation nonetheless plunged in Israel into uncharted waters. This is the first time in its history that a sitting prime minister is so close to facing criminal charges. Nonetheless, about a decade ago, former Prime Minister Ehud Olmart, who spent time in prison for corruption, he stepped down about a decade ago, months before police completed their investigation of him. And at the time, Netanyahu was the opposition leader who called on Olmert to step down before his indictment, saying he could not devote his full attention to governing while facing these charges. Huh. 
nonetheless, don't worry. President Trump uh, called uh, Netanyahu. Uh, what did he call him? Uh, he's, he said he's he's done a great job as prime minister. He's tough. He's smart. He's strong. Of course, that's the same thing he said about Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin, Mohammed bin Salman, and, of course, himself, among other autocrats and thugs. All right, quick break here, and we're back with some of that U.S. election news. Not Israeli election news, but U.S. election news that broke yesterday during Michael Cohen's hearing. That's up next on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Baking rocks in the hot sun. I fought the law in the law one. I fought the law in the law one. We'll see. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay, this breaking news from... Yesterday, uh, during Michael <laughs> Cohn's hearing, uh, McCray Dowless, the Bladen County, North Carolina political operative who emerged as the central figure in the uh, investigation into GOP absentee ballot fraud in the state's 9th congressional district election last fall, was arrested on Wednesday on a series of felonies relating to his handling of absentee ballots in the 2016 general election, finally, wow. and uh, the 2018 primary election, if not the general election, the one that has been uh, not certified and a new election has been called there because of the fraud um, by Dallas and his crew, who was hired by congressional candidate and former, uh, I guess he's current, Baptist minister, Republican Mark Harris. Dowless was charged with three counts of felonious obstruction of justice, two counts of conspiracy to commit obstruction of justice, and two counts of illegal possession of an absentee ballot. Four others were also uh, facing charges related to all of this as well. Uh, agents with the State Bureau of Investigation took Dallas into custody without incident on Wednesday. He has finally been uh, arrested, arrested and obtained. Uh, Wake County District Attorney Lauren Freeman said, uh, noting uh, that more charges might be brought against Dallas and his co-defendants or new charges filed against others, that this is, she said, still very much a live, ongoing investigation. So filed against others, Des. Wow. Uh, that would be, for example, disgraced Republican candidate and Baptist minister Mark Harris, perhaps, who, according to his own son's testimony at the State Board of Elections hearing just last week, right? God, that, that was, was like last, last year. Week. Are you sure it wasn't know, last no, year? No, it was just last week. His his own son testified against Mark Harris. Uh, his own son, by the way, is an assistant U.S. attorney. 
and he essentially testified that his dad uh, lied about his knowledge of election fraud by Dallas, the contractor who he hired, who Harris hired to run his absentee ballot campaign in the 9th Congressional District. District Attorney Freeman said Wednesday that her investigation could expand into the 2018 general election after she reviews the uh, separate investigation and the materials that were collected uh, during that investigation by the State Board of Elections into last November's uh, race, which was never certified and which will now be run again sometime in the not too distant future. The uh, charges come just a week after the state board voted to hold a new election in the 9th District after hearing testimony that Dallas's uh, employees took possessions, uh, took possession of absentee ballots during the 2018 general. Um, that would be a felony in North Carolina to take someone else's ballot. The board also heard testimony that Dallas's workers added Republican votes to the ballots. They forged signatures on them. They attempted to mail them in such a way as to hide their fraud. Uh, Harris, of course, um, had led Democratic opponent Dan McCready, as we've been covering in great detail over the past several months since all of this came down last November. Uh, Harris had led McCready, uh, according to the reported results, by 905 votes in that race, uh, but the board refused to certify it pending the investigation into the uh, absentee ballot fraud allegations. The board is now scheduled to meet on Monday to set a date for the new election, we don't yet have one. Uh, Dan McCready, the Democrat, uh, uh, said that he will be uh, running. Mark Harris has said he will not. A wise choice, probably. Kim Strack, the executive director of the State Board of Elections, said these indictments should serve as a stern warning to anyone trying to defraud elections in North Carolina. She said, today is a new and better day for elections in our state. Dan McCready uh, also uh, lauded the arrest of Dallas, saying it sends a clear message to people involved in election fraud. He said, quote, if you cheat, if you attack our democracy, if you silence voices, if you steal votes, you will face the full force of justice. Uh, well, um, maybe sometimes. Very occasionally, frankly, in this country, to be honest with you. Uh, nonetheless, in this case, maybe, maybe there is some accountability, at least for Dallas. I'll be a little bit happier when we uh, hear about uh, uh, Mark Harris being frog marched uh, under indictment. Um, a Wake County judge said Dallas's secured bond at 30000 ordered him to have no contact with anyone named in the indictments because among the things that he had been uh, uh, accused of doing was witness tampering throughout the investigation, trying to tell his workers to say nothing. They got nothing on us. Apparently they do. And now Dallas is in jail. Um, in other election news, in other, I think, encouraging election news, uh, in Texas, saying there is no evidence of widespread election fraud in the state, a federal judge on Wednesday blocked the removal of any registered voter after state Republican leaders loudly but incorrectly questioned the U.S. citizenship of tens of thousands of people, according to AP. The decision by U.S. US District Judge Fred Beery of San Antonio temporarily halts 
uh, what AP calls a bungled search for illegal voters in Texas. And a bungled search is a very nice way to put it, AP. The search began last month in January with the release of a deeply flawed list, which is another nice way to put it, AP, of 98,000 registered voters who were flagged as possibly not being citizens, even though the Texas uh, Secretary of State noted that they weren't certain that these folks were non-citizens. Nonetheless, uh, he ordered county officials to send letters to these 98,000 people, threatening them that if they do not prove they are citizens, they will be removed from the rolls. 30 days. 30 days. So if you missed the mail, if you're out of town, if for some reason it was misdelivered, you got 30 days to prove your citizenship before losing your voter registration. And you might not even know about it. The secretary of state's announcement also alleged that 58,000 of those 98,000 voters uh, voted at least once since 1996. Uh, Those 98,000 names were immediately referred to prosecutors and Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton amplified the announcement as a, quote, all caps, voter fraud alert. And allow me to amplify the announcement that Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is still under felony indictment for securities fraud, even while he's serving as the Texas Attorney General. Uh, And with that, uh, with that voter fraud alert announcement on the weekend after uh, Donald Trump was forced to end his embarrassing federal government shutdown at the end of last month over his border wall in Texas, (laughs) the president of the United States immediately took to Twitter to falsely declare, declare, quote, 58,000 non-citizens voted in Texas with 95,000 non-citizens registered to vote. These numbers are just the tip of the iceberg all over the country, especially in California. Voter fraud is rampant, must be stopped. Strong voter ID. Yeah, none of that is true. And a federal court has now said so. And, uh, of course, we knew that almost immediately after the secretary of state has made his announcement, had made his announcement Just days afterwards, it emerged that that list wasn't vetted and included thousands of U.S. citizens since it was based on a list of people who had applied for a driver's license as a non-citizen at some point going back to 1996, which, by the way, is perfectly legal in in Texas. Non-citizens can get driver's licenses. But the secretary of state had failed to check to see if those people had actually become naturalized citizens since 1996. Judge Beery called the uh, search a solution looking for a problem and barred election officials from asking anyone on the list to affirm their citizenship. As the uh, Secretary of State, I, I noted, had required counties to give people just 30 days to prove that they were citizens, putting the burden on them, or they would be immediately removed from the rolls. The judge wrote, notwithstanding good intentions, the road to a solution was inherently paved with flawed results, meaning perfectly legal, naturalized Americans were burdened with what the court finds to be ham-handed and threatening correspondence from the state, which did not politely ask for information, but rather exemplifies the power of government to strike fear and anxiety and to intimidate 
the least powerful among us. That's what the judge wrote. Uh, Attorney General Paxton said that uh, he is considering if they will appeal the decision. He said uh, the ruling involves a federal district court improperly assuming control over key aspects of the state's obligation under federal and state law to maintain the integrity of its voting rolls. Nonetheless, uh, the decision on Wednesday is a victory for now for civil rights groups uh, who had swiftly sued after uh, the new elections chief, the secretary of state, David Whitley. Uh, This is the Republican Texas governor Greg Abbott's selection to be secretary of state. He has not been confirmed yet, in fact, by the Senate. Um, This is a victory after his announcement and after he almost immediately had to begin backtracking on it uh, within hours. Whitley called it list maintenance as well that was required by law. Uh, A staff attorney for the ACLU of Texas, just one of many groups that sued the state, said that uh, this is an extremely important ruling to help prevent eligible voters in Texas from getting kicked off the voter rolls. And the fallout has jeopardized Whitley's nomination in the Texas Senate. There's some more good news here. All 12 Democrats in the Texas Senate, and yes, there are only 12, (laughs) um, they have all come out against Whitley's confirmation, which means that uh, Whitley, who's a former aide of Governor Abbott, he was appointed in December, it will be unlikely that he'll be able to get through the Republican-controlled Senate because they will need some Democrats to reach a two-third margin. Uh, to confirm him. Judge Beery said Whitley's office uh, created this mess. The evidence has shown in a hearing before this court that there is no widespread voter fraud. And as if to underscore that, of the original 98,000 names on the list identified as being ineligible to vote because they were non-citizens, just 80 of them have been confirmed as non-citizens. 80 out of 98,000. Unclear how many of them actually voted. A lot of folks end up uh, getting registered to vote without knowing that they're not allowed to register to vote. But so far, 80 out of 98,000. And by the way, amidst all of this, uh, Whitley can serve until the end of May without a vote. But uh, amidst all of this and the Democrats saying none of them will vote for uh, for him to uh, confirm him. Uh, Nonetheless, Republicans in a state Senate committee today voted four to three along party lines to send Secretary of State David Whitley's nomination to the full chamber. But as I note, Democrats have signaled they have enough votes to ultimately block him. Lord knows how much damage he can do in the meantime if he's allowed to serve until May. All right. Speaking of damage, quick break. And we are back with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Hey, 
Hey, speaking of Republicans, uh, Republican nominations and, and voting, despite all of the evidence, uh, Andrew Wheeler, the uh, Donald Trump's replacement for Scott Pruitt at the Environmental Protection Agency and uh, a former coal lobbyist, is he, yep. Desi Doyen, has now been confirmed by the Republican U.S. Senate to be the next head of the EPA. Whee! That's since our... Uh, latest Green News report, which we hope you will now enjoy. So summer in February, apparently um, it's hotter than Mexico. Britain basks in warmest February ever recorded. House Democrats unleash wave of oversight on climate, energy and the environment. A turning point for solar power in Arizona. Plus, there are big issues. And I think Republicans feel like the nation is shifting, the electorate is shifting, and they have to come up with an answer that's more than don't know, don't believe it. It's something else that's going on. Republicans begin shifting away from outright climate change denial. All of those shifty characters and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Half of Americans say the science is more... More convincing than it was five years ago, which is f***ing stupid, but I'll take it. <laughs> Taking whatever we can get right now, this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I love listening to some of those uh, reports out of Great Britain talking about what a lovely day it is today. <laughs> yes, the British are enjoying their hottest February weather on record but this week. But maybe they shouldn't be enjoying it quite so much. Well, well, you know, it's nearly 70 degrees in London, and that's pretty summer-like weather. And it did break the all-time high February temperature ever recorded in hundreds of years of record-keeping. The summer-like weather comes exactly one year to the day after Britain was slammed with record cold and snow in that so-called beast from the east storm. The UK is now headed to its warmest February on record. It's almost like something strange is going on with our climate for some reason. <laughs> yes, but a new study suggests that the increase in extreme temperatures probably won't be a spur to people demanding action on climate change because they're adjusting to it. In a survey of social media published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, Researchers found that people learn to accept extreme weather as normal within as little as two years. It's known as shifting baselines syndrome. Future generations, therefore, won't feel their climate is unusual, and that could lead people to underestimate the extent of global warming. Well, it's nice to go out and play golf in February, after all. Meanwhile, in U.S. politics, majority House Democrats are making up for lost time after years of Republican rule. They're holding several hearings this week focusing on the environment, like grilling the Trump EPA's top enforcement official over the significant decline in inspections and fines of polluters. An analysis of EPA's own data shows that inspections of industrial facilities and fines for violators are at a 10-year low. In the most unsurprising news, of the day. And the House Transportation Committee examined how upgrading the nation's infrastructure can help communities mitigate and adapt to climate change impacts. 
However, Republicans in the House Natural Resources Committee walked out of a hearing on climate change denial that focused on the millions of dollars in funding that the climate change denial industry and certain politicians have received from the fossil fuel industry to cast doubt on climate science for decades. Why did they walk out? They claimed that it was outside of the committee's purview. To talk about climate change. They talk about climate change denial. In what committee? House Natural Resources. Huh. The House Democrats continued the hearing anyway as a forum. But some Republican politicians are shifting away from outright denial in the wake of public polling showing more Americans than ever are concerned about man-made climate change and other polls showing overwhelming support for the elements of a Green New Deal to create millions of jobs by addressing and preparing for climate change impact. By the way, support for the Green New Deal is more than 80 percent of Americans cross all party lines. And that was not lost on former Ohio Governor John Kasich, who told Axios.com, quote, let's have conservatives have a discussion instead of being in denial that this is a problem. You can't just be a climate science denier. And Politico reporter Jake Sherman on MSNBC also noted the shift among Republicans. More and more Republicans believe that their position is untenable when it comes to climate change. And I don't mean that they're suddenly having a a come to Jesus moment about climate science and about changing their views on climate science. But I think a lot of Republicans that I've spoken to say they need to have some sort of answer about the massive changes that we all see in the environment besides saying, no, they're not happening. Right. Americans are tired of their old BS, so the Republicans need to come up with some all-new BS. Finally, some very big news, a historic shift in Arizona. After years of fighting the spread of solar energy in Arizona, the state's monopoly electric utility Arizona Public Service says it will now spend hundreds of millions of dollars to build utility-scale battery farms and solar farms to add to its electric grid because batteries are rapidly becoming the cheapest energy option. They'll replace traditional power plants, including natural gas fire generation. Well, take your time moving to solar in Arizona. For much more on all of these reports and the stories we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. You might as well be walking on the sun. You might as well be walking on the sun. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Uh, And my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion today of our program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. And as ever, my thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help support our work and keep Desi Doyen and me and the Green News Report and the Bradcast and bradblog.com all rolling away here. On your public airwaves. There you go. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>